This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So he's holding in the middle here of describing that Hashem has no body. He's proved it. He's proved God's oneness from his incorporality through the fact that it, there is no end to the Koach that drives the world around. Now in Ches he says, this, element, this item that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a body is not only logical, it's not only a logical corollary of um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's oneness, but It is Mefurish in the Torah and in the Navi that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, has, is not a corporal being. It says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a God both in heavens above and on the earth underneath. And the body, and a body cannot be two places. In other words, the Rambam is actually giving a twist to the Pasuk over here. When we say God is in the heavens above and in the earth below, what we're saying is space is irrelevant to God. You know, when you limit a person, you say he lives over here, you mean he doesn't live there. He works here, he doesn't work there. He's this tall, it means he's not, he doesn't reach this place. Saying that Hashem is both in Shemayim and Oretz means that he is really not in any sense of place. So therefore, a body could not, there is no such thing as a corporal body that's not within place. So therefore, the Pasuk is telling you God is not defined in terms of space. That's really where Ramu is the Pasuk. And it's one of these Pasukim that it's, it's very easy to tell a kid, Hashem is both in heavens and on earth. But to give it a little bit of an adult explanation, that's what Ram is doing. God is irrelevant to space. So to say that God is up there or down here is, is an irrelevant statement. One. Venemar on second Pasik, Kiloriisem Kol Temuna. You have not seen any image. One of the strict um, injunctions is when you were at Har Sinai, you heard a voice, you heard commandments, you didn't see anything, so there was no sense of a body. And it says, To whom can you compare me and I will be equivalent or, or similar to? In other words, if God was anything body-like, there could not be a, a, a statement, you can't compare it to anything. Well, you can. It's it, it, it's it's got length, height, width, density, um, texture, something about it that you can compare. The fact that there is nothing in our experience that you can compare God to means that it is not corporal. It's not of the nature of items that we're familiar with. Well, how do, how do, yeah. how do you then def, how do you then deal with the idea that there was a voice? I mean, why make a distinction between something visual and something auditory? Okay. The, the voice. Good point, right? Fine. Is still something that's a physical manifestation. Okay. Um, the the difference between sight and sound is when you see something, the primary focus is that that element, that item, has revealed itself, and you are on top of it. You know, I see it. You know. So that means that the thing itself is exposed. It, it's whatever it is. When I see through the ploy that you're using, it means your ploy has been exposed. And there's that sense of derogatory aspect about you. And my domination, I see it. And whatever, whatever facet you say. Listening is primarily being told what to do. And all I know is... When you tell me to do something, when I say, I see and I understand why I should do it, it means I'm doing it, and thank you very much, and I'm seeing it, and so on. When, you, when someone tells you, do it this way, you don't really have a grasp in it. 
And the speech is only an act of communication how to get the message across. So a voice was a created entity. But that created entity is a communication to us rather than an exposure of God as what he is. So when we heard, if, even, even, even in allegorical terms, if we were to see God means God can be exposed. He's got something that can be grasped. And I've seen it. I've taken hold of it. When God told us, it means he communicated to us that this is what he would like. So we don't have a grasp in what God is by him telling us, but it's sort of God having us. Um, the, the, maybe sometime we'll speak about it. Spe sound and sight have um, two, in, in, in dealing in, in Machshav and these in Yanim, sight and sound are two very different um, facets of personality. Si sound is what the other person has over me. That's why a slave you're born is heir, because it's the instrument where somebody has me. An ozen, an ear, is also in Hebrew the, the, um, the air of a cup that you grab it with it. So when you tell somebody to do something, it's the way, you don't know anything about me by my telling you to do something, but I am dominating you and telling you what to do. When you see what I'm all about, I've, I've, it means I've got a, a, a Matthias, and that person has seen it, and he's the one who's on top of it. So sound, God, God gives the Torah. He tells us very clearly, this is what I want you folks to do. All of Torah is the voice of God. And it, obviously the voice we heard was manufactured, but that gives us no real clue of, to God himself. Were we to see something, means there's something of God that we can, that we can grab. Okay. Im kein, mauze shenema betorah v'tachas raglov, ksuvim be'etzbelakim, by the way, as, as a, as, just as a, uh, an aside remark a little bit about Tches, one of the reasons why Kabbalah was off-limits for people that were not Tamir Chachamim was the difficulty of people to grab, grasp ideas that you must use physical entities as a marshal, and yet you can't believe and grip onto any of the physical entities. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's maddening. You speak about God's right side and left side because you need some way to describe it. And God forbid if you believe in a right side and a left side, you're not Pecorus. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's kind of, you've got, to, you've got to have extraordinary, it, it's like... The chariot. What? The chariot. Yeah, well, all of it, all of it. I mean, it's it's all it's like people, you know, you you have this the popular science type lectures of varying degrees, and people speak about you know I don't know the super strings and the wormholes and 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 they've got you know they've got already people make developments along those super strings and and and, and you know because you make models of it and pictures of it and hey it, it, it's only an idea it doesn't it doesn't exist in any way I mean somebody's made a cute picture just to present it to an audience. But it's, it's not something that really exists like that in any sense of the word. I remember how brokenhearted I was when I, when I discovered that the, solar, that the atom doesn't look like a solar system at all. That that whole model that you labored in high school to make little electrons whirring around, it's just somebody's imagination. But, but, but it's not, it's just a way of expressing certain relationships. But it's, no one, no one has, has, has seen it that way, and it's not exactly that way either. But that's one of the reasons this problem over here and if you take a look at like beginner types forum and these things, beginner types I mean by Toshelian, by by people who wrote these things, um, you get an, a third of the safe is taken up with with Chazal about how you dare not believe that God is a body. There's a a, um, a sort of sharp joke at the expense of their Hasidim, and it's all called Ashlag Hasidim, whose Rebbe wrote a big commentary on the Zohar and was believed very hard that everybody should learn Zohar and Kabbalah, and it's very important. Most people were very at odds with Ishita. Many people respect him personally, but they really felt that that was terribly wrong. And I mean, you know, he had his right to argue, and he lived about, I mean, he died somewhere in the 40s or 30s, something that that type of, of time framework. So the, um, the, 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 and they go around selling the Zohar with the Sulam, which is the period that he wrote, like to even common folks and so on. So, somebody 
so one of the coarse people was sitting and he done somebody studying at the Zohar. And then he, one day he walks into the shul and he hears somebody saying, David, and he says, which is the Pasuk where we know most of the spheros from are based on that Pasuk. So this person, so this new, this new novice, this Kabbalah novice, turns to this guy and says, how come you saying these words? You don't know what they mean. You're just saying words. They don't mean anything. So the guy got a little embarrassed at first. Like, is he right? He says, well, explain it to me. He says, well, it's very simple. He says, Kedulo is God's right hand. Kavur is his left hand. Teferis is the belly button. And, and you know, because that's the way it's, it's presented, you know, on, in words. And, and somebody who's, who, who even has the slightest feeling that way is, is kind of not precocious. So that's why, because of this, there was a tremendous reluctance. It needs a tremendous amount of mental ability and f- fineness of, of conceptualization to be able. You need a marshal to tell you what it is, but you then you got to strip it away and say it's just a relationship. As this is to this, so is this to this. As right is to left in our experience, strip away anything that's materially right and left and just visualize the relationship. And, that, and that's something that needs a lot of a fineness of thought for it. It's sort of interesting that, that in, in order to really describe physical entities, you use mathematics. Is, right. Isn't Kabbalah, in a sense, in a sense it's the same thing. True, true. And, it, and it's the same way, like somebody who deals, somebody who's good with equations can picture what the line is going to look like from the equation. And, and it's, it's remarkable. Somebody actually, uh, as a very, very side remark, somebody has written a lot of theses on this. He's a front person. His name is Mark Steiner. He's a professor of, I believe his philosophy is his, is, but his thing is, he's a from guy, an American guy, I think he's in Israel. He's been, I met him in Israel when he was, doing, when he was teaching Hebrew U. Um, he does a lot of work with um, the relationship of math to reality as being something which we take for granted, but is really a pella. That, that, that what, what works in math works in the world. I mean, he's written a lot of it. I mean, it, it's his thesis in, in a hundred different variations, but uh, it, it's, really, it's, it's really remarkable reading. I've, okay, Tess. Im Kain, mahu raglov. Why does it say the Torah is full of these anthropomorphic terms? Under God's feet. Ksuvim be'etzbalakim. Yad Hashem, eni Hashem, ozne Hashem, gezorim alalu. This is all meant to apply itself to human understanding. Who? Because they only recognize bodies. And the Torah spoke as people um, understand. These are just um, these are just appellations. They're just nicknames. Like it says, if um, the, the, the God speaks about unloading his sword, does God have a sword? Does he kill with a sword? It is a marshal, everything else like it is a marshal. Um, fine. That's, so this, in a certain sense, is the ABCs of um, understanding Akadosh Baruch Hu's, these descriptions. A proof of this. Uh, a proof that all of these elements are just Mishalim. One prophet said he saw God dressed with a cloak that's white like snow. And one saw him in red garments. Moshe Rabbeinu saw him on the yam like a gibor. And in Sinai, like a shliach tzibur. Loma, this all teaches us, she'ein lo Now, this is interesting. The Rambam is looking for another proof. I mean, well, he says that you see that they can't mean as they are, because in one place it says his clothing is white, one place it says red. I don't understand so much the proof. I mean, I sometimes wear, even I change occasionally, and I wear sometimes a blue suit and sometimes a black suit. I, it kind of stays around dark, not, not as colorful as, as, as some of Dennis's stuff, but, but uh, it, it, I, I mean, it, it does change. I mean, sometimes the, the tie is even like blue or black or gray, or whatever, whatever particular tie is there. Why is that? I mean, you know, it's, it would be describing Akadosh Baruch as tall or short or dark or white. I could understand that. But he, he's dealing here with the garments. 
So what is the proof of that? I, I, maybe we'll come back to it later. But it's interesting. He's saying this proves, so if it would be changes in the way hand or eye or foot would be described, I can understand it. But the garments are changeable. I mean, he once is wearing a talus like a shtertziba, and once, I mean, I, I've seen many soldiers. Sometimes they're soldiers, sometimes they're in shul davening for the omen. So maybe I'll explain it soon. Um, and the real truth a person cannot understand it and this is what the Pasuk says can you ever really understand God or, or, or uh, analyze God uh, until the very very essence fine, that's the one unit I want to elaborate a little bit on these points one is from the Rambam himself. Fine. The Rambam says that the reason why we use all these terms is to use terms that people are familiar with. So you speak of God's hands, God's foot, God's so on. True. Fine. In other words, he's explaining what these terms mean. But why use crude terms like that to describe a Kaddish Baruch Hu? I mean, could we just say that Kaddish Baruch Hu punished Seville instead of saying that he took out a sword? Why didn't we just use um, general terminology instead of imagery? That is an, a problem. And the Ram himself and Morna Buchum discussed it. I, I'm just going to read the relevant point because it's a very important point. The Rama brings this, this expression down, Dibra Torah Kelosham Bnei Adam. That the Torah does use terminology that people normally use. So when one interprets the Torah as meaning God taking out a sword that he will punish people and not that there's a real sword, it's appropriate. <coughs> he said like this, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that God, you, you may interpret the Torah in common human language. The Ramam says a very insightful understanding, it's the opposite. He says, God took terminologies that are readily familiar to man and used them. And, and let me explain what he means. I mean, I, I don't want to read inside, but l- let me explain outside. There's a problem. When people become very, very sophisticated, the old Avodazaras, the old Avodazaras used to think of that God is a big, thick piece of wood, and it likes to eat and sleep. And, you know, that was a very primitive way of thinking, and that's Avodazara. Fine, we're past that. Modern, sophisticated way of thinking is God is the most beautiful idea that man ever created. It, it's, it's, you, you, it's so sophisticated, and, and, it, and it's so above and beyond. It's not real. It's, it's like the famous Dear Virginia letter. I don't know if you're all familiar. Uh, this is one of the things we were brought up with. In, a, a little girl in the early turn of the century wrote in a letter to the New York Times um, asking them, she heard from some people that no, the Santa Claus doesn't really exist. Is it true? Who would know better than the New York Times? <laughs> so this became like a classic in American lore. So they sent it back a lot. Her name was Dear Virginia. Santa Claus exists and certainly does exist every, in the heart of every good person and in the mind of every noble man in, 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 in the, in, in the you know, innermost recess of every American. A whole long letter which is basically saying he does not exist, <laughs> but it's very important to have nice an idea of a Santa. Him. No, it, like, it's, it's the most important thing to believe in a Santa, but someone, someone was telling me he, he started going to college now, one of the Bachem in Yeshiva, he's taking a humanities course, and he said that the professor was a very fascinating person, and he said he profoundly believes in God, but the God of everyone. He says, actually, call it life, life itself. It's the same as God to me. And at that point, you've basically defined it out of any reality. So the flip side of Avodah is when it's a meaningless entity. Um, the way a, a very modern, secular, personal, reformed Jew might believe that it's, it's a noble-spirited idea, ideal, but it, it's not that there is an entity that is aware, conscious, concerned, um, and 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 uh, pronouncing its will. It's nothing like that. So the Rambam says we use terminology that implies very strongly to anybody who reads it. God has a hand. I, I, you know, concepts don't have hands. 
the hand of God has landed upon uh, and destroyed the city. It, it, it's done the other way around to concretize the idea and to give it reality. And that's why he says these are terms that a person Im- at first glance gra- understands in a certain way. And he says, The reason why we described him with terms that are physical in order to impress us that he actually exists. The only things that exist are real entities. You know, things, thingmajis exist. And that's why the first description was hand, foot, eye, and so on, because it's a physical reality. He says, because the common man does not grab does not grasp that concepts have reality, only corporal entities. Something which is not corporal, is something that doesn't exist. So if we were to describe in the Torah God as something that is an idea, then people would, would, be, it would be very clear to them that it doesn't exist. And that's why it's a very fine line. Children do tend to imagine God in physical terms. A child certainly can't conceptualize. So you're caught between, on the one hand, the child not thinking of Avodah Zarah. On the other hand, it's got to be a reality. Hashem likes this. Hashem doesn't like this. Hashem is happy with me. Hashem is sad with me. It's very, very important to tread that line of, of that it, it's existence. And, and a cruder person and, and a less educated person will give it some sort of substance. And yet, on the other hand, as much as possible to eliminate it, because that direction of Avodah That's the point that he's making over here. It's a, it's a Rambam, it's a Mornavuchim, the first part, Chavav, um, and really, really, it, it's a very fundamentally so, this point. Um, by the way, the Rambam spends the good part of the first part of Mornavuchim. People made a mistake why it's called a guide for the perplexed, because most people actually never read it. So they think it's a guide for the perplexed, because, you know, people have different questions and so on. The, 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 point, the, the point that he addresses in the first third of it or so is somebody, he's writing to a Talmud of his, and he's saying, you are someone who studied a lot and have risen to a high madrega being Talmud Chacham, and you are perplexed by all of the psukim and medrashim that seem to indicate some sort of corporality to God. So let me explain all these terms, and about 40 chapters, most of it is explaining different terms, what they mean. It, 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 most people will find this boring, like anything. It's it's it just. Glad my way through. It's very repetitive. So. It's very repetitive, and and by the time you get to the good part, you're gone. You, 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 you <laughs> pick it up again. Start from the back. Now the, the uh, next part is not repetitive, but it's very very heavy. It's the, the it, it doesn't. You always wonder these people who find the right moment of the right places, like had to plow through all of it to get to it. But the first part of it, he felt, was extraordinarily important to. They take each term and explain, give it a meaning that makes sense to a person. What does it mean, a, a, you know, God's eyes, his hand, and so on and so forth. So that's one point that I want to introduce was this Rambam, why it was important to have it. There's a second point I wanted to bring in, which is sort of not like the Rambam, and it's a very, very important point because the later Kubalim, so to speak, speak of it in that way. Um, the Rambam's point is definitely correct by everyone's standards. That when you learn a Pasuk that says God, it's God's hand came out and, and struck us, it means like a hand strikes those who are sinning, so too um, God caused people to suffer who sinned. That is definitely the Aleph base of learning a But the implication of that is as follows. God was writing a Torah, he needed to convey a message to us about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And, and Hashem said, okay, what, is, what are the nice terms to use that will get the message home? And I, with an upraised hand and a mighty sword, I redeemed you from Mitzrayim. Those are poetic terms borrowed from human experience to convey the message that Yitzhak was a reality and the type of, of, of uh, nace it was and so on. That's the way the Ramam learns it, and it's definitely the, 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 the pshat, so to speak, the alaphase of pshat. The, the Mekubalan later, especially the Ramchal, 
especially almost everybody, but the ones who speak about it, specifically Ramchal speaks about this, um, the, the uh, Shalah speaks about it quite a lot, and the Sefer that I have, have here is called Avodos HaKodesh. Avodos HaKodesh was an early Kabbalah Sefer, written before that Rizal, uh, a very fundamental, it, it's written by Rebmeya Ben Gabbai, who the Maral considered his spiritual Rebbe. In other words, he never actually was a Talmud of his, and his Sefer is light Kabbalah, it's not really Kabbalah, but he does a lot of introducing of elementary terminology in his language. In It's an earlier version, it doesn't have the heavy technical languages. One of the things he does is he, he, he basically repeats the Rambam's um, the Rambam's in, uh, explanations for all of the different elements, and it gives them a twist. Notice when the Rambam speaks about the hand of God, the eye of God, and so on, he does it his own way. Notice he basically says, takes the same terms, explains it a little bit differently, and in Perik Samachayfu, for some odd reason, is where he explains this. He says, the Rambam is certainly right, in, in, as, as an elementary explanation, but it's a lot deeper than that. Now, let's, I'll kind of explain it outside, but um, it, it's, it's not a long peric, but it's going to be very tedious to read inside. But it's, it's called, it's in his fourth chalik, or third chalik, which is called chalik atachlis, peric samachay. Um, okay, he says as follows. Hashem had decided on compartmentalizing different ways of dealing with different situations. We spoke about this, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses different approaches. And that's where we get ten spheros and ten halnagos and ten malachim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses d- defined ways of interacting with us. So, um, he doesn't interact with us in his oneness, because that's something we would not be able to understand. He interacts with us in, 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 in different focused um, interactions, whether it's chesed, whether it's kvura, whatever it is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has different ways of dealing, and, and those are systems we can grab. We can understand God rewarding people that are doing well, we can understand God punishing, we can understand God hiding himself, we can understand God coming out, fine. That compartmentalization translated into um, into a, a, into a static system is called limbs. In other words, take a one-cell being. So to the naked eye, that cell is a jack of all trades. It eats, it eliminates waste products, it somehow has kids, it somehow it floats around. You know, like a one-celled amoeba is a jack of all trades. Naturally, you can, you can look down into it, and there is specialized structures. But by and large, there's a tremendous difference in a human being who's got a very differentiated um, tissues, where the liver is a liver, and the kidney is a kidney, the stomach is a stomach, the hands are hand, the muscles are muscles, to an amoeba, which is sort of a jack-of-all-trades type of thing, where, where it's not in any way... You need, you, need a, you need to go down to a much lower level to find the compartmentalization of, of, of that being. So you have two living things. One, that sort of the blob does everything, and one, that there are very, very specialized subunits. Now, my, my, um, my brother's father was once laying in a, in a hospital, and in, in Israel, you know, there are five people in a room. It's not, you know, the private rooms don't exist. And so uh, there was a fellow laying next to him, and he took a guess, and he said, you know, this guy looks very physical. Must be a truck driver. Turns to the guy, and he says... Uh, where does where, where where do you work? So he says at Hebrew U. So he felt a little bit kind of you know they missed that one. He said, "Tell me in which faculty do you work?" He says in all of them. He says I do the bathrooms and showers and stuff. He says don't don't, don't differentiate. They, you know I I, I I I'm you know he, he's uh, what is it interdisciplinary. <laughs> but a, a human being's got very very clearly defined a verb. So the corollary of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's actions that are clearly defined would be a body with clearly defined entities. So the actions of God in one way are called Yad Hashem. 
forgetting about a body a second. It, it, just like we said, we spoke of Chesed and Gvura and Tiferes and, and whatever other Lashonas you want to use, you, you can use those same, you can, it, you can create the same system with different functions. Just like the human being has different hands that, that, that have a certain dexterity, feet that, that carry weight and run, um, stomach that digests, a heart that beats, you know, it can be translated into static entities, and we would call that limbs. So compartmentalizing activity would correspond to compartmentalizing the body. Now, Akarish Baruch Hu created a person that he perfect himself and that he work on himself to be godlike. And since we can't relate to a one, you know, do it all God, we relate to different things. One person, we work with our mind to understand Torah, to be godlike with our understanding. We work with our hearts to, 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 that, that our feelings should be like that. We work with our hands to do mitzvahs. We work with our, our eyes, ktusha. You know, all of the different elements of our body, like it says, every mitzvah is connected to a certain aver. It means that, that, that the way, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, created sections of, of, of his all-encompassing will, he gave a person different subdivisions. So one person is very good at keeping Shabbos, but he's got a problem with Lashon Hara. The other person got very good Lashon Hara, he's got a problem with Davning. The third person, you know, and everybody's got his complement of different parts of his body, and, and each one is a, a different aver and works in a certain way. Therefore, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man in his image, means the following. And it says it. Our body carries in itself physically a representation of that, of those ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I mean, the human body biologically, as again, I'll, I'll stand corrected, as much as I understand is, on the one hand, it's marvelous. On the other hand, we could have designed it better. I think they had a, they, they, they once had a, um, they once had a picture of, I think a Scientific American about a year or two ago, about the perfect human body. She looks ugly. I, I must say, you, you wouldn't want to marry her, especially since she's going to live like 250. The way they had it, you know, <laughs> they, you know it, this was like massive feet and sort of slanted back. You know, if, if you're building it, the human body is, 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 is it's, it seems like a wasted effort like standing upright is, is, is not a great way. To, it's not very stable. An animal on four is much more stable than a... I mean... We don't really need the stability. I mean, the thing about the body is it can re No, but to walk upright is a tremendous amount of effort for very little in return that we can think of. Walking on all four is stable. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't put the weight on one point. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's got, the human body is very fine. You can't use the hands for anything. What? You can't use the hands for anything. True. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, well, it Walking given, upright frees our hands to do all sorts of things. Well, it could have added two pods or three pods or something. I don't, you know, I, pods. But whatever it is, the, the, a lot of the human, what it is, and in Kabbalah's form, it is a direct, so to speak, physical representation. The fact that we have a right side and a left side that are almost equal. The fact that the mind is at the very top of the body. The fact that it's connected by a narrow neck to the rest of the body. The fact that there are shoulders right underneath the head. Every single aspect of the human being is a reflection of those Mahalchem HaKadosh So, in effect, it's the opposite of what the Ramam is saying. The Ramam is saying like this, Hey, HaKadosh gave us a Torah. And he wanted to tell us, if you're going to be bad people, um, I'm going to punish you. What's the best metaphor of punishing? A patch. So if, 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 if you people are going to be bad, I'm going to give you a patch. So human beings were designed in whatever Chachma Kachbroch had biologically. And then needing metaphors to impress us, Kachbroch picked the metaphor that would be most striking to us. The Mekubalim, and this is what he says here, say it's the exact opposite. Kachbroch Baruch Hu, and the first thing he did was he split the oneness of, 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 his, of all encompassment into parts so that we can say there's Kedusha and there's Chachma and there's Tefillah and there's Chesed and there's all sorts of different activities all are a part of the picture all are like one, one color of that rainbow 
of spirituality. Once we have that in place, that Akash Baruch just give us one mitzvah, but Akash Baruch gave us, Akash Baruch gave us a, a different parts of mitzvahs, so now the human body is a reflection physically of those different mitzvahs. So the mitzvah that corresponds to the yad reflects itself in his hand. So the hand can do, it's where a person's strength lies, it's where a person's real activity is, and it corresponds to a certain element called yad. And tefillin might be the right mitzvah, which if we want to represent tefillin, a hand that's active and strong or whatever it is, might be the right representation. And, and so on. So every part of the human body is a representation of an element that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's given as a subdivision of goodness, uh, mitzvahs, and so on. So now when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says Yad, it's the other way around. That's the right description. Yad Hashem is like describing Chesed Hashem. It's, it's, it's a, it's, 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 you can divide the system into bits and pieces, and you get Yad, Enayim, Regel, and so on. What we have, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, as we're a reflection of, of that MS of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, hey, we've got a Yad also. And when we perfect the hand, it, it, it looks, in a Ruchnistic way, like that which is called Yad Hashem. So, if, if a person's hand um, embraces somebody and comforts somebody, then, then, then in, in the right time, in the right place, then, then that Yad is, is a reflection of Yad Hashem. If a person's feet carry him to do the mitzvah at the right time and, and, and takes him to the right place, and that's what his feet become trained to do, so those feet are actually like the red line. He says the word that they say, that every organ of ours contains an organ of God, so to speak. God's organs are the subdivisions of that one truth, and each organ of ours has the ability to be a host, so to speak, for one truth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why when people start with these things about what's more important, okay, tell me the truth. Is putting out full more important or not speaking on Shahar about somebody more important? And this is always, so yes, somebody, well, you know, I don't know, if kids, you always played it. Let's say, as kids, we used to have this game, okay, these these uh, primitives and in, in Af- the savages in Africa has captured you, you have a choice. You can be boiled alive or beaten or, or eaten up by, by ants. Which do you choose? Say, so, well, I really don't want any. No, you got to choose. You got to choose. You know, like, <laughs> what I'm saying, you know, it, 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 it's like it's part of the kid doesn't stand. Curtain number three. What? Curtain number three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to choose which one you want. The metzias the, the, the that we have is... Each element in us is a, a it has in itself, it's so to speak, a, a seat for that Anhag of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when a person is Mekadashit, he, that Kedusha, that Eva gets that Kedusha. So it's almost the exact opposite approach of, of the Rambam. The Rambam's approach is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reality is conceptual, and therefore... We, we looked for terms to give it a sense that it is real, and therefore um, we needed terms that were reality, and we chose terms that are real to us, like a hand, like a foot, and so on. The, um, the Mekubalim go the other way, and both are true. It, it, in other words, when you read the Pesukim at first glance, the Raman's Pshat is the f- first approach, and what the Mekubalim are saying is simply a deep approach. Their approach is that Akarish Baruch Hu's Hanhagis divide themselves up into terms such as Yad and Regal and so on, when our organs are appropriately um, developed through mitzvahs, then, so asking which mitzvah is more important is as if mitzvahs were just ways to earn money. So if profession A gets you $100,000 and profession B gets one hundred fifty, dollars so obviously you know, business B is a better business. But you, we ask a person, would you rather, have, you know, what's better to lose, this or that or the other? Those, that, there's no reason to say what's more important, a hand or a foot. That's a meaningless question. A, a perfect human being has all of it. And, and a person without a hand is, is unfortunately, it's handicapped as a person without a foot. Each one is a suffering, whichever way it is. It's, it's, not, it, it's, not, you could, it's not like money where you say, 
you know, if if, da, if the dollar is stronger than, than the euro, so so a million dollars is better than a million euro. There's no, you don't need one of each. It's not true. These are subdivisions of one emis. And a person who knows a lot of Torah but speaks Lashon Hara does not have the emis. And a person who's careful with Lashon Hara but is a real Amaretz, um, he, he does not have the full emis. It, it's not, they, they're all subdivisions. They're not just different ways to get a lot of points. That's really the... the, the, the more yes. important than others. For instance, in the physical you were saying, if somebody said you have to lose two of your eyes and ears, you'd obviously rather lose one of each. The same thing if you compare murder with Amusa versus True. Uh, something mine. You know, that, that. So, so correct. So when a, correct. Halachically, it's also valid. If you got a choice between being Mahal Shabbos or doing this, you got to choose. But Rav Hunter Zachan of Racha once said, beautiful pshat. Um, he, he uh, in the, in the uh, I heard from many years ago, in, in the Mishnah it says, you should not you should not um, weigh the schar of a mitzvah. Um, you should not uh, look at what a lighter mitzvah is, a mitzvah kala, because you don't know what the reward of a mitzvah is. So he asked, well, the Torah gives us very clear, um, a clear ladder of, of evaluation. There's some things that you do, you get karis for, some things you get skila, sometimes malchus, sometimes it's just rabbanan. There are clear evaluations. So what does it mean um, not to, you know, not to regard something as a mitzvah kala or mitzvah hamura? So the so footnote said a very nice marshal. He said two pshatim. The one pshat is relevant to us. When when you ask a person what's more important, the heart or or a hand, so he answers the heart. So it's true when if if a hand hurts, so it creates level A of debilitation. If there's a problem with the heart, it creates a much larger degree of debilitation, and, and you know you, you suffer a lot more. There's a lot, a lot of things that come to a stop if the heart's not working well. But he said, if let's say a person's in perfect health, does he feel better in his heart than in his hand? No. It, it's, it's, you know, he, he, he feels good all over. He doesn't feel better in his heart than in his hand. He said, the Torah gave us a scale for evaluating the problems. If, if, if one person is, 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 is not a chaza, and one person with Chal Shabbos, this person has done level A of damage to his body, and this person on level C. If you've got to choose between the two, you can either eat chaza or be Chal Shabbos, then yes, if one or two has got to be missing, we know which one, the way a doctor has to evaluate, if, if, you know, if, if you've got to make a choice, God forbid, then, then there's a way to choose. But when everything is perfect, you're not more perfect in your hand than in your heart than you're on your hand. Being perfect, a person who feels healthy just feels healthy all over. He just feels good in general because it's one state. So when the problems, you you look at the at the at the subdivisions. Where does it hurt? Where's the problem? And then you can evaluate how much damage is there. When it's good, all of it together, a person feels good because just feels a person in, in robust health just feels good all over. Okay, so let's just sum up. So the Rambam said that God's incorporeality is a pasuk as well as a svara. I guess the reason why the Rambam says like that is because if it was just a svara, um, even though he feels logically it's, it's impeccable, it would not maybe be an Avera. I don't know why the Rambam feels the need also to bring a pasuk. Or maybe the pasuk is not so clear and just knowing that that's the right shot puts it into the pasuk. I'm not sure because... It's strange that the Rambam says it that it's an impeccable svara, and then he says, I have psukim for it also. Be it as it may, the Rambam brings the psukim. The Rambam said, we saw the Rambam Buchim, that explains that the reason why we use such terminology, even though these are all kinuyim, they're just metaphors, but the Torah used these metaphors to impress upon us that it's real, it's true. It's not a concept in the sense. Um, uh, you know, when we speak of an idea, it's, it's the opposite of ideas is, is, is a reality. Ideals and reality are, are opposites almost. So the Torah and press note, there's real punishment, and there's real simcha, and there's real reward. Then we saw the next step, the, the Mekubalim explained this idea one step further. It's not that the body existed, and God wanted some really um, imminent metaphors to use, and that's why he said a hand and a foot and a mouth, is the other way around. God, God's different subdivisions of 
emes are represented in terms such as yad, regal, enayim, osdayim, and so on, God created a man in his image, which means even physically, the conceptual arrangement of his body reflects HaKadosh Baruch Hu's emes, where his ears are, where his eyes are, there's a reason why the ears stick out and the eyes recede. Every part of the human body is used by Mikubalim to bring out, to tell us, they explain where the representation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Mahalchim are. And therefore, the Pasuk uses Yad and Regal, all these things, to tell us exactly what is the Mahal Hashem. We can now see it in our own flesh. There's a reason why this, the hand has a sign on it. Keeping the mitzvahs that are associated with each part of a person brings out that particular midah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it all goes together. When it clicks together and all the parts are in place, then the whole thing is one, just like a puzzle. You know, when you look at a puzzle at pieces, at the beginning, you look at the exterior shape. You don't even know what it is. So you look at the exterior shape and you say, oh, this got like this funny widget in. Let's see where there's another piece like that. When the whole picture is complete, you say, ah, it's a lake with geese. You, you, don't, you don't see those subdivisions anymore. When the body acts together, all the different elements, you see one complete unit, and, 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 and that's the Emes Hashem. Until that time, it's a varim, and, and the Zohar speaks of the mitzvahs as being a varim of The word aver in modern Hebrew, besides being a physical limb, it's also used like in math. When you have one part of an equation, you know, that's, it's, that's called an aver, a limb of the equations. It, it's, it's used as bits and pieces of things also. That's the way the word aver is used in, in equations. It's used in parts of molecules. I mean, it's, it's a modern Hebrew word that has those, the actual those connotations. And, and therefore, when you put them together, you have the, the entire emphasis. Okay.